0: You know, I see this all the time. An MSP's contract says, hey, customer, if you terminate early without cause, you have to pay out the balance of our services. Now, those are called payout clauses, but lawyers always seem to figure out ways to get their clients out of payout clauses. But I'm on your side, the MSP side, and there are strategies to avoid having lawyers find wiggle room in your payout clauses. You want to know what they are? Listen up. Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of the Technology Broadcast. Thanks for making this the number one MSP-devoted podcast in the nation. I am your host, Brad Gross, attorneys to MSPs nationwide, and I've got an interesting topic for you today. So this topic came to me because I've seen a flurry, a plethora, there's a movie reference there, a plethora of cases involving MSPs whose customers are canceling their contracts before the term of those contracts are over. It seems to happen without cause and often without warning. The customer just wakes up one day and says, I don't like your service, I'm out. Or, I've been disappointed with you for a while, so I'm gone. Sometimes the MSP doesn't even get that much detail. Sometimes the customer simply says, we've decided to go another path and our new vendor will be calling you to uh, work out the details. Now, many of you have so-called payout clauses that specifically say that if the customer ends its agreement prematurely and without cause, then that customer has to pay the balance of the agreement as if the agreement stayed in place and wasn't canceled. So for example, if a customer ditches his agreement in month 5 of a 12-month agreement, the customer still has to pay through months uh, 6 through 12 as if the agreement didn't end. So payout clauses seem simple enough, right? I mean, pretty straightforward. No. You see, some people don't like payout clauses, and I call those people lawyers. Lawyers try everything they can to get their clients out of payout clauses. They make wild accusations that are based on absolutely nothing. They threaten. They use flowery language. I mean, these tactics don't work when I come across them because I'm I'm not scared of threats or flowery language, but you might be. And there is one particular strategy that lawyers use all the time to get their clients out of payout clauses. I'm here to tell you what that strategy is. And then, then I'm going to tell you how to defeat that strategy through your master service agreement. I'm going to demonstrate the evil magic. Then I'm going to tell you the three strategies that you have to implement to avoid having your customers perform that magic on you. So here's the scenario. Let's say you have a three-year RMM deal with your customer and you're charging by the device. Let's say your customer starts out at 50 devices at $150 per device per month. That's $7,500 a month, great. Then in month six, the number of devices goes up to 100. So now you're invoicing $15,000 a month. Then in month 12, you're monitoring 125 devices. Now we're up to $18,750 a month. That is a damn good client. But in month 18, halfway through the agreement, your client announces, we're done, we don't like you, so we're leaving. So you say, well, wait a minute, my agreement has a payout clause, so you have to pay out the rest of that contract. So that's another 18 months, 125 devices, $150 a device, if my math is correct, you owe me, Three hundred thirty-seven thousand five hundred bucks. Good, or is it? Because in an expletive-laced email, your client will say to you, "No," and of course some other choice words. And you'll also get a lawyer's letter saying, "You know what? Your request for that three hundred thirty-seven thousand five hundred bucks—that's rejected because it's entirely speculative. Can't be a, can't be enforced. Speculative." What the hell are they talking about, speculative? Your customer was paying you $150 per device, 125 devices, 18 months left according to the payout clause. So, what's the speculation? Where's the ambiguity? Good question. So, if you ask opposing counsel that question, you're going to hear it spelled out a little differently. That counsel is going to say, Listen, my client was dissatisfied with your service for quite a while. But, you know, he kept using you because he didn't have other choices, but now he does. So even if the contract continued, even if it continued for those 18 months, my client was going to drop back down to no more than five devices, not 125. He was going to drop it to five, bare minimum. So your demand for that $337,000 assumed that my client was going to keep using you for 125 devices, but he wasn't. He was going to use you for five. So here's the deal. We'll pay you for $150 a device at 18 months, okay, for five devices. So that's $13,500. That's what we're going to give you. Otherwise, you get nothing. Really? How does that $300,000 plus become 13 dollars Is the attorney correct? Maybe. You see, in contract law, a party is entitled to receive what we call the benefit of the bargain, meaning the amounts that the party would have received had the contract been fulfilled. But in the example I just gave you, there was actually no clear indication of how many devices would remain under the MSP's management. I mean, it it ended up at 125. Yeah. But could it have dropped down to 50? Could it have dropped down to 10? Who knows, right? What would the benefit of the bargain be? Could the attorney be right when he said, yeah, we were going to drop it down to five? What in your contract says they can't do that? Congratulations, you've just seen evil lawyer magic at play. But the trick really isn't a trick at all. All the lawyer did was leverage the fact that the MSP didn't think of three strategies, three strategies that would have stopped that attorney in his tracks the three strategies that would have forced that outgoing customer to pay the MSP the true benefit of the bargain as the MSP understood it to be. So that's the trick. Now, here's how to avoid it. Strategy one, minimum monthly fees. Minimum monthly fees, that's a fee where the MSP customer is required to pay you, under all circumstances, come hell or high water, a certain minimum amount. For example, your agreement could say, whatever fees you pay in the first month of service is the minimum monthly fee for the entirety of the term. And you agree to pay that amount, at a minimum, every month, regardless of the actual number of devices that are being monitored under your agreement. You see, now you've established a baseline. There's no speculation. There's no ambiguity. Your customer may pay you more for more devices, but your customer can't drop below that floor. You've agreed with your client for certain what those fees will be at a minimum. That's strategy one. Strategy two, make sure that you specify the exact amounts with which the payout will be calculated. So this is important because the amounts that your client pays you might vary from month to month. For example, let's say your minimum monthly fee is 40 devices. We got that. That's minimum. So now in January, your client has 50 devices. And in February, it's 60. And in March, it's 105. Now your client cancels. How do you calculate the payout? Do you base it on 40? Do you base it on 50, on 60, on 105? What number do you use to calculate this? What you want to do is you want your MSA to address this issue. You want to make sure it says, if your customer terminates the agreement prematurely without cause, then the payout is based on the amounts paid in the month immediately before the effective date of termination. So in the example I just gave you, if they cancel in April... Well, in March, they were paying 105 devices. Then we're going to multiply 105 times the remainder of the contract. The idea is that you have a definite number. So there's no more ambiguity. You're going to multiply the last month before the effective date of termination by the number of months remaining. Now you don't have ambiguity. You're off to the races. Strategy number three make sure your limitation of liability provisions don't exclude the amount that you're owed under a payout amount. You see, many contracts have a provision that waive the ability for either party to collect what we call indirect or consequential damages. You may have seen that. That's often in big letters in the limitational liability section. Neither party is going to be liable for exemplary, special, indirect, or consequential damages. Great. But, What that could mean is you can't collect a payout amount, because a payout amount could, in some circumstances, be considered a consequential or indirect damage. You don't want to have one section of your agreement require a payout, only to have that section overruled by a different section that excludes payouts as consequential damages. So make sure your agreement is written correctly and allows you to collect payout amounts despite the fact that consequential damages can't be recovered. Now, admittedly, this is not for the faint of heart, and you need to speak with counsel about this strategy and the first two strategies. Make sure your payout clauses are clear, unambiguous, and enforceable. Don't wait until bad things happen to first decide whether your contracts say what they need to say make sure your MSA follows the three strategies I laid out here today. And do it now. Do it before your customer tries to ditch out from his contract prematurely. You got questions? Well, you know what to do. Call us at 954-217-6225 or email me at brad at We'll see you on the next technology broadcast.